Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with the professor, John Clayton. And welcome to School with the Professor. I mean, one of the biggest topics this offseason is going to be quarterbacks in the National Football League. I cannot remember a time where more big-name quarterbacks are available, and it's also not a bad quarterback draft. And joining us here on School is Jason Gay from the Wall Street Journal, who just wrote about the uh, quarterbacks and all that stuff. And I guess I guess the big picture is, how do we sort all this out? Because, you know, are there enough openings for all these quarterbacks? Is it going to be kind of like musical chairs, and somebody's going to lose the ability to sit down at the end of this that's a really good question right you know will there be kind of a cue you know will it be the tom brady situation whether or not you know where that resolves itself that kind of kicks off where everybody else resettles and we see that sometimes with free agency you know you have somebody come in and set the market uh will that happen with a quarterback i i assume that that will be sort of the case that you'll have something happen and that will cue the rest of the pieces to fall onto line yeah, but of course that's the uh, that's the big question now. Of course, everybody's trying to first. We start with uh, Tom Brady and the way he's kind of tweeting. You kind of get the idea that he's now going to start to stay because the first thing is story comes out after he does the Hulu commercial that uh, you know he's now going to probably get around thirty million. That is at least maybe enough to stay. Then, of course, he has to be assured that he can get uh, a chance to you know, have a good talent around him because he didn't have that last year. How do you sort out Tom Brady? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because we kind of talk about these uh, circumstances as if the players and the teams involved aren't even aware of them. You know, We say, oh, well, Tom Brady can't get the kind of uh, scenario that the New England can offer him. He can't get the kind of continuity and, and uh history that he has with the Patriots, of course. No one knows that more than Tom Brady. No one appreciates the fact that he has a connective tissue with the Boston area, which he will never have, no matter what he does, with whatever franchise he were to move on to next. You know, I think this is a case where, however, this is a guy who has not been in this specific scenario. He has not actually been the bell at the ball ever in free agency. And I think that were he to just sort of commit immediately to resigning with New England, he wouldn't get to experience any of this. So I think there is part of him clearly that acknowledges that what he has in New England is something to not be trifled with. It will probably be the most uh, plausible scenario for him for next year. But why not enjoy at least 14 of the 15 minutes of free agency and getting a sense of what's out there? Because no matter what you have done and what you have accomplished, you know, you know it's nice to kind of feel wanted in other places. And whether this result, I expect this to resolve itself in favor of New England, but I don't think he's going to just leap at the first available situation that resign. And because one thing is, is that uh, he had the Instagram the other day where he said that, uh, you know, this year in the Super Bowl, he wore a suit. Next year, he's going to be wearing something different, which, of course, is going to be an indication that uh, he's thinking he's going to be on a position to get back to the Super Bowl. What other team could he go to that would do that other than New England? Well, that's the real hang-up here, right, is that there's not just a slam-dunk kind of scenario. We don't have to go far, terribly far back you know, to when Peyton Manning was in a little bit of a different scenario because, of course, he was coming off an injury that some people speculated might be you know, career-changing or career-even-ending. Um, but there were definitely very strong, plausible opportunities for Peyton Manning, better opportunities, in fact, than Indianapolis. This is not the case with Tom Brady. San Diego, Las Vegas, uh, you know, some sort of arrangement with Tampa or even, frankly, 
strangely enough, the Indianapolis Colts, they all in various ways are not as optimal a situation as you would have in New England. So I don't think that, that having that kind of like big opening, that big obvious move, I think that does change the conversation. Just going back to the Instagram thing for a second, though, John, I mean, you've been at this. It, what's so funny about this job now is that there's this kind of like mystery interpretation now, like social media has layered this kind of like Da Vinci code mystery atmosphere over these proceedings. Whereas back in the day, you know, you'd have to rely on at best what the player said, or maybe some hints from the agent and so on. But now we have these clues that we were supposed to like decipher and interpret. Yeah, and of course that's the uh, the thing that I think it makes it so much fun is that uh, you know we do have more information whether it's accurate or not accurate, whether it's teasing or not teasing than we've ever had before. Oh, absolutely right. And I think if we're being honest from a media perspective, this is exactly the kind of special sauce that you know media organizations, columnists like myself, people who talk about the game and frankly, people who are in the game covet. They want these kinds of conversations to extend long beyond the Super Bowl, the championships, the selections of Pro Bowls and all that kind of thing. They want the hot stove that we used to call baseball. Now it's predominantly occupied by you know, NBA free agency, NFL free agency. Everybody wants and seeks to be the 12-month, 24-hour, 7-days-a-week type sport. And I think in Tom Brady, you have perhaps the most hot stoviest hot stove topic the uh, that football has ever had in an off season. No question, no question. Uh, who who do you think will be the hottest quarterback out there as far as activity? Well, you know, I hate to sound like somebody who um, you know just goes to the most obvious route, but I I really am very curious to see how the draft shakes out. I mean, we have two quarterbacks uh, in Burrow who just absolutely presumably will wind up going to the Cincinnati Bengals with the number one slot, but then a quarterback who potentially could be better in Tua Tagliolo, who is, you know, a mystery because of his injury status. Um, he is also potentially a franchise quarterback, and I think the machinations around, you know, where players will, uh, what teams will move around in the draft perhaps move up and select him or potentially a quality team getting a very, very talented quarterback at a much lower draft slot than historically he would have been at is a really interesting situation. I think those are the kinds of like moves that we've seen, obviously, in the way that football has evolved and the value of a young quarterback under a rookie year deal. <clears throat> have they, you know, real upside and advantage to make a, you know, a bad or certainly a middling team really good really quickly. No question. And, uh, yeah, because, I mean, it sure looks like uh, you've got Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati. That seems to be the most likely scenario. But what you can see next is that, uh, you know, you're going to have a change in the standpoint that, uh, you know, who, where does Andy Dalton go? Because there's still some viability for him. Absolutely. And I think that there are quite many, you know, New England fans who are sitting there and thinking about the hypotheticals were Tom Brady to not return to New England. You know, is Andy Dalton the type of person? <laughs> I mean, could we see, you know, this sort of comical switcheroo where we have somebody like a Philip Rivers, you know, another quarterback presumed to be you know, heading into the home stretch? Does that person, you know, wind up in New England? Um, you know, the other part of this, John, of course, is that we are just looking at the arcs of careers quite a bit differently. Were I to have said to you a generation ago, how would you like to, like, 
you know, mortgage your franchise future on the hopes of a 43-year-old quarterback, you would be stunned. You would say, are we going back to the George Blanda days? What is happening here? Um, but this is quite a bit normal now, and it's kind of funny to just watch this whole conversation about, you know, Tom Brady, a quarterback who should have been retired six years ago by the ten, you know traditional arc of the career, um, now being regarded as the hot, hot free agent at the moment. I know, that is weird. I mean, again, there's so many subtleties and so many little things in this free agent period I wonder about. what do? We, how do we kind of judge what Tampa Bay might do? Because I'm kind of wondering, you know, they may take that old tact and go with Phillip uh, Rivers for Bruce Arians like he did, you know, picking up an aging Carson Palmer and then letting Winston go. And then how hot will Winston be? That's an ex- excellent question, and I think yet anybody looking on the outside of situations and, and assets around a quarterback, you know, you look at the uh, the receivers that Winston had, and the you know, <laughs> in addition to the interceptions, the yards, the touchdowns, the offense he was able to accumulate with that group has to be, if you're a quarterback looking at uh, potential destinations, that has to be a very intriguing one. You know, I don't think that. Uh, Winston, I mean, Arians in his comments indicating, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what the verbiage was, but, you know, he did not exactly, you know, offer a, you know, concrete commitment uh, to a guy that he was brought in largely because he had a, a prior experience and and, uh, and working relationship with. I don't think you have somebody, you know, that is going to be a top, top asset in Winston if he hits the open market, but certainly he'll have you know, a much stronger, you know, case over a Brady or a Rivers is somebody you could build a longer-term relationship with. Um, you know, this is the other thing that's very quirky about this. I mean, look at a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's going to be another person who's going to be in high demand, potentially. You know, the arcs of quarterback careers, you know, as we've talked about Tom Brady as being someone who's just so unusual at a 20-year career, but they can also be just aggressively short. And Bridgewater is a perfect example of somebody who, you know, for whom you might have predicted a two-decade career, but an injury obviously unsettled that, and he had to really dig himself up from the bottom to get back to where he is now. Oh, yeah, no question, and that's uh, where it's fascinating to see where he's going to go, and Marcus Mariota, I think, has some appeal because he's a mobile quarterback. Sure, sure. You know, Mariota is a very intriguing one because you kind of, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're going to be a little bit nervous about letting him walk out the door, won't you? I mean, I just feel like, you know, though they obviously made the right move in Tannehill and they feel good about the future under him, you know, you're still letting a top-tier guy, a guy who was, you know, a playoff quarterback, uh, walk out the door at an extremely young age. And also Mariota is, you know, somebody who clearly can function in what the NFL and the NFL offenses are looking like in 2020. No, no doubt. Uh, I'm kind of also fascinated to see because you know, everything seemed to be okay in New Orleans. I mean, again, it wasn't good because of the pass interference stuff from last year and even this year. But nevertheless, that's a different subject we can get into later. But, uh, you know, you, 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 know if, if you got Teddy Bridgewater, who's either going to be the future or leave. Then you've got uh, Taysom Hill, who is an interesting as a restrictive free agent. And then Drew Brees throws everything for a loop by saying he needs another month to see if he's going to play when you know that they want him back as quarterback. Sure. 
no, that's a very strange situation in that, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know what to compare it to. It's almost resemblance of a basketball team where you have two people who are potentially 40-point-a-game players who are available to you. It's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches situation. I mean, Taysom Hill, I mean, who are we to say that, whether or not he is somebody who is capable of being an every-down quarterback in the NFL? He has certainly displayed an incredible proficiency in the limited role that New Orleans has created for him. I can't imagine that Bridgewater is going to want to, like, you know, wait out a considerable period of time with Breeze, were Breeze to stay and Bridgewater to be convinced to stay. There would have to be some sort of arrangement-type situation whereby they figure out a, you know, a succession plan. Um, but it is a it is an unusual scenario. I can't think of something that's exactly like it. Can you? No, I cannot. No, it's like, uh, you know, because here they have three and they feel good about the three. And here's Bridgewater. You know, he was uh, chased by Miami last year and basically said, I'd rather be a backup in New Orleans that started in this tanking uh, Miami Dolphin team. And sure enough, uh, you know, it worked out. He came back and he won five games filling in for Drew Brees. But now, you know, they're at the crossroads where it's like, OK, if Drew does retire, is there going to be enough time to put this all together? And which way do they go? Sure. You know, and Bridgewater's path, I'm glad you mentioned the Miami thing, is that is was a, you know, obviously in retrospect, look like a brilliantly wise, you know, plant. You, as you said, you don't go to a team that is going to be tanking and just you know, get yourself clobbered for 16 weeks. You take a gamble that you're going to be a backup on a veteran-led team, a quality team, you know, with, I don't want to say probability, but saying, you know, not a zero chance that you will be seeing some time because you have an aging quarterback. Um, and it does sort of show a different kind of roadmap for quarterbacks where they don't necessarily have to take the first door open. No doubt. And so um, that's good. Well, it was funny because, you know, obviously I think everybody kind of pinned the idea if Tom Brady is going to be looking around, one of the natural fits would be the Los Angeles Chargers. But I'm hearing now the Chargers may not be as interested in what do they do at quarterback, but I said, and then Tom may not be able to go there. But that's a weird situation because they're letting Philip Rivers walk. I mean, he's already moved to the Florida area. And uh, yeah. you, it's, I can't imagine they're going to go to a new stadium with Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> it's such a strange scenario on so many different levels. I mean, you mentioned the fact that they are in this sort of shared stadium arrangement where it's effectively the Rams' house and the Chargers are going to be Airbnb guests every other weekend there. Um, and the Chargers do not have any kind of the, you know, cultural grip on Los Angeles that the Rams do. Not that either one of them is exactly like you know the talk of the town, but the Chargers certainly less so than what the Rams are. Uh, and then you have a team that you know, we're not terribly far removed from the Chargers being a pretty high-functioning team that was regarded to be a potential threat in the playoffs a couple seasons ago. I remember when the Chargers came into New England and people thought that they had a legit shot to knock off the Patriots in the divisional round. So this is not a you know a complete like rebuild-type situation there. But I think what's so odd about it, and I'll draw a comparison, which is a little strange, but work with me here. I live in Brooklyn, New York. So we have the Brooklyn Nets. They're down the street from where I live. And it's an interesting franchise, but they have nowhere near the kind of handle of the city that the Knicks have. And we know the Knicks are, you know, a very miserable franchise of the moment. But it's an interesting uh, situation in that the Knicks will always be able to sort of make a stronger emotional case than a team like the Nets, which are relocated and don't have 
any of the kind of connective tissue with the city. And I, and I think that's an interesting thing. And I don't know how you, you know, is it just a case of generations and generations and you have to have a whole generation grow up with the Chargers in Los Angeles for them to have any kind of, you know, drawing power? What is it going to take? Maybe, I mean, I guess that was some of the theory behind a Tom Brady type situation, but my Brooklyn Nets have already tried that. They brought in Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce a couple of years ago, and, you know, they just felt like house guests. <laughs> of course, the neighboring Knicks uh, ended up uh, just bringing an agent from CAA over to be running the franchise, <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. uh, good, good luck on that one again. <laughs> oh, boy, it, just never, it, it never gets less weird, I just think, with the Knicks. Yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. And I guess uh, to kind of wrap things up, uh, how quickly do you think this market is going to go for quarterbacks? Because you're talking about a total of 39 Pro Bowls among all the quarterbacks that are available and, you know, 30 million, 25 million, 33 million dollar deals. Sure. You know, I think that it's certainly going to be in New England's best interest to, like, try to resolve this quickly. I don't can't imagine a situation where, you know, they're trying some sort of hardcore deadline. I mean, I just don't think that Bob Kraft is going to be as cold-hearted about this as you might have been if you were, you know, not Bob Kraft. I just think that, you know, there's basically a familiar relationship with Tom Brady. And so they're going to give him every opportunity to do this and not do this. But when you think about the types of preparation that Tom Brady has traditionally liked to do, how he would have these off-season workouts, we would bring in personnel from the Patriots, wide receivers visiting down in Costa Rica or out in Southern California. He's not some guy who likes to wing it. So I imagine that he feels a certain pressure to resolve the situation as well. I would say within the next month and a half, but, you know, these things can drag out. We saw a season ago in baseball, the free agency season, you know, took a very long while to reset itself. That was a little bit different because it was financially driven. Here, I think you'll see Tom Brady figure it out, and then everything will go from there. <laughs> of course, if he does figure it out, is he going to go to the uh, OTAs or not? He's missed the last two years of OTAs as hard as he does prep, getting his vacation time. Hey, Jason Gay, uh, good, good luck with the uh, the Brooklyn basketball team. Uh, <laughs> but also, thanks for joining us on Schooled with a Professor. I appreciate it greatly. Have a great week. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor. <laughs>